Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, where it is my duty to explore all things related to living an optimized and fulfilling life. I personally am on the never-ending journey to improve myself and figured why not share my findings and my conversations with as many people as possible. This episode is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. You can sign up for my email newsletter on there, read my blog, check out some apparel I designed, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Also, I would love to keep this podcast relatively sponsor-free, and to do that, I need your support through Patreon. You can visit the support tab on my website to learn more about that. Your contributions through Patreon will keep the Life Enchanted content flowing and will also help me dedicate more time to expanding the content, i.e. the blog and newsletter and whatnot. But most importantly, a portion of every cent that comes through Patreon and my online store will be donated to Metro World Child. You can find out more about them through my website on that support tab. Also, please consider leaving a rating and possibly a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Your feedback helps other people discover the show and join the movement. My guest for this episode is well-known counselor, Christian lecturer, and best-selling author John Eldridge. And what an amazing conversation this was. This dude is such a practical and insightful thinker in regards to manhood and womanhood, if that's even a word, and parenting and marriage and spirituality and pretty much everything in between. He's a bow hunter. He's all into health. He's an outdoorsman. He's pretty much the epitome of what I hope to be uh, when I get to his age. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with John Eldridge. So I thought we could start out with a with a rather light topic and probably unexpected, and that would be with green tea, which I read that you thoroughly enjoy, as do I. I'm <laughs> sipping on some matcha right now. When did you start drinking green tea? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I've always been kind of a crunchy guy. Um, I, it actually began with... I got I got really into martial arts when I was in high school and that began kind of a whole thing of like care about your body and mm. you know be healthy and started like eating well and there were things like you know green tea and ginseng and and uh, just eating you know kind of clean and healthy and that began for me like back in the 70s and I've just always been a sort of a granola guy yeah and uh, what's fun is, you know, now there's just boatloads of research yeah. coming out that, like, all that stuff, you know, the antioxidants and everything are super good for you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of got I got a head start on that. You did. You were before the boom. Yeah, my 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 sons are in their 20s now. They're married, and their wives just think I'm the coolest thing in the world <laughs> because. I'm so I'm so into like the health trends now. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm just cracking up, going, "Yep for a for a few more years than you." <laughs> That's awesome. What are some other health things that you integrate into your life? I mean, you said you eat clean. Do you do like any like cold therapy or hot therapy, or take any specific supplements that really help you? Um. Yeah, of course, a uh, bunch of stuff like that. So we have a infrared sauna that we love to use here. My man. Uh, Yep. And, uh, you know, into a bunch of different supplements, big on omega oils. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a crazy thing here in Colorado because we have like 300 sunny days a year at least. <laughs> but because of that, this is a wild thing. Most people in Colorado have a vitamin D deficiency. Interesting. And the reason why is we've all been taught to put the sunblock on right? Mm. And avoid the skin cancer and I'm yeah. all about that. But it's really interesting that, you know, so we, we do all that. We do, you know, vitamin D supplements. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then I'm, you know, I love, I love funky stuff. So I'm always looking for like, I, 
I think cacao, yes, raw sir. cacao powder is, is just killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's amazing. There's 70 times the amount of antioxidants in it as there is in blueberries. That is an unbelievable stat. I did not know that. Oh, it does all kinds of things. It rejuvenates your nerve cells. Mm. And so, you know, big into that. And uh, obviously the green tea was what launched the question and <laughs> yeah. fresh fresh vegetable juices and stuff. I just love feeling well. Amen. So that I can chase the things I want to chase, which includes large mammals with a bow. <laughs> I didn't know you're a bow hunter. Yeah. All right. Yep. Have you gone out this year yet? Yeah, yeah. We had some incredible encounters. Uh, nothing in the freezer, but oh my goodness, we were we were on to this seven by seven uh, bull elk, and and it was epic, and it was you know just an awesome time with my son, and um, oh, we, you know it's about being in the woods. Yes. It's about beauty, and it's about you know when when you ask about. This may be another direction than you wanted to go, but when you ask about like, what do I do to like, kind of be healthy? Mm -hmm. I think I think we're living in a world right now that fries the soul, and the amount of media, for example, um, most people consume ten hours of media a day. Mm. Um, Enough information in a week to crash a laptop, and I think that's all really brutal. So, I. On the soul. So I think that for me, two things are really key, beauty mm-hmm. and, and and nature. I mm-hmm. just think nature heals and, and beauty heals. And so get the dogs out for a walk or sit on the porch in the evening or just those things that you can do. So for me, you know, being in the, being in the woods, you know, bow hunting is, is, you know, the elk or the deer or whatever it's about are like fourth on the list. I'm, I'm out there for beauty. Yeah. I, I'm, out, I'm out there for um, for nature and for its healing powers because God's out there. Yes. Amen. Amen. When you're out there by yourself, you're going for a walk with your dog or whatnot. What do you practice contemplative prayer? Um, are is there any intentionality as far as like what you are thinking or are you just cruising and just letting the thoughts kind of roll? Nope. It's very intentional. Um, I think this is super important too. So um, there's a number of practices that have become really important to me. And and one of them is what I call benevolent detachment. Hmm. And it's learning to let things go benevolent because it's not i'm not angry i'm not cynical i'm not checked out um but i do need to detach i need to let the world go i need to let the suffering go i need to let you know the news of the latest shooting Mm -hmm. and then and then the heartache of all the people that are just in my world you know friends who had a miscarriage and a buddy who can't get a job and at some point in your day you got to let that stuff go yeah and and so for me if I can get a walk in, it, you know, I'm, I'm releasing, I'm releasing, I'm releasing. I'm very intentionally saying, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Mm-hmm. Because the soul is a vessel. This was C.S. Lewis's line. The soul is a vessel that God fills. Mm. And when our souls are so cluttered, with worry and fear and genuine concern for people and the news and you know the email i shouldn't have sent and the email i still need to send and i you can't you can't you can't live like that yeah and and you sure can't find god like that yeah so at some point in the day there's got to be the ability to let it go Mm -hmm. so when you say like like i don't i don't like the phrase mind mindfulness i i don't think that it's a helpful phrase because for most people it just means like pay attention to your breathing Mm -hmm. but but you've got more important work to do like you need to learn to let things go yeah and and you got to declutter your soul and 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 if you can do that on a regular basis oh my gosh the you know, again, there's just a ton of research on this that that says it's not only healing for your brain, but it's yeah. healing for your body. Yeah, that's so good, man. There's there's so much there that I want to dive into. One thing being that um, I've recently 
kind of been looking into what the Japanese call forest bathing. Yeah. And, yeah, which is a fascinating concept. Do you know about right that? On. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can you speak to it a little bit? I mean, it's basically what you were saying is basically just being out in nature, bathing in nature and how it's it's really impossible to have anxiety and depression and a lot of those things when you're out in nature, because it's just almost like this creation that surrounds you, the divinity that surrounds you. If you are a believer, it's just it makes you feel small and it puts things in perspective. And if you're able to have this this sight of contemplation or just seeing the divinity in things, you can you can get outside of yourself because all this media and all these things we're consuming, it really it really just ultimately boils down to us being consumed with ourselves and our own fears and our own anxieties and our own comparisons against other people. And if we're inside and we're not out in nature and we're looking at these screens and running these narratives in our head, then we're just going to go crazy. But if you get out in nature and, and witness the beauty and the glory and the majesty and the magnitude of God in creation, it's like, who the heck am I to be anxious about this upcoming meeting or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. Again, what you just said, we could spend the rest of our conversation unpacking that because totally. that's actually really huge. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, the, the data that shows just the rise of anxiety and depression in direct correlation, one to one correspondence with the amount of time you spend on social media. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if you, if you know that this thing is, is pulling your soul down, um, then, then we're going to want to unplug from that and go do things that recharge our soul. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to recognize it's different for different people. I love the mountains. Some people love their garden, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I, I love, you know, kind of epic landscapes, but my wife loves really intimate things. So she'd rather be by like a quiet stream, you know, and I'm looking for big rivers. And, and so yeah. everybody's got their own style. And I, I want, I, I want to affirm that. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, for some people it's music, and, mm-hmm. and music is their say is their is their haven, and and it's beauty and music, or or it's worship music, and and so those things that heal and restore the soul need to become our go to. Yes, and, and, you know, because for most of us, life's busy. Mm-hmm. And it's demanding, and we have real things, you know. We got we got to get the kids to soccer, or I've got that meeting tomorrow, or I'm still, you know, pounding the pavement looking for work. Life is really demanding, mm-hmm. and so you've got to have things in your life that are your go-to to restore your soul. Absolutely, I think another big part of that also is is relationships and community and sharing with with the people around you. That's one thing that I've found to to really help me because I've had my own mental health issues and I'm totally the the proverbial millennial, but I'm aware of what's occurring in the world. So I feel like I kind of have, have a leg up on strategies to combat it. But one thing that's really helped me is not only nature and getting outside and exercise and health routines and biohacks and all that stuff that we've kind of touched on, but also just like the healing and the, uh, the nourishment that comes from my community, my brother, my dad, my brother-in-law, my close friends who I'm able to share and be vulnerable with. And, and I've found oftentimes that God, I'm praying for God to speak to me. And oftentimes God speaks through those people. And that's been a super big revelation for me. And he, he doesn't speak as loud if I'm not as vulnerable or as authentic with them. So trying to do it all myself and whatnot is just digging myself into a hole. So yeah, it's been, it's been powerful for me to realize that. Yeah. Yep. And again, like, yes and amen. Um, And I know a lot of people wrestle with loneliness and a lot of guys in particular are like, man, I'd love that, but I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't have a band of brothers. I don't, I don't have guys who I trust Mm -hmm. or, or guys who even want what I want. We were out bird hunting the other day and, um, and there were some guys that were along on this trip and, and the level of conversation was so shallow. Mm. It was killing me, you yeah. know? And, I, and I'm like, okay, don't, don't want that. Don't want to hang with that. Yeah. What do I do? Um, and so I would just point out a couple things for your listeners. Like for many years, my best friend actually lived four States away and we would get on the phone every Thursday 
and and for a while that's all i had that was my lifeline and it it was it was a it was a buddy that i could get on talk about okay how's your life how you doing how's your heart what's going on and then we would plan every year we'd plan a couple trips to get together and um we love to fly fish and so we plan you know something together around fly fishing so it might not be like seven people and their families and you guys are camping and barbecuing and all that. Mm-hmm. You might not get that, yeah. but you can, you can find a couple people, a couple people that you can share your life with and your internal world with. And as you were describing, it's, it's a rescue. Mm. Yeah. What, what are some questions? Do you have any go-to questions that you kind of like when you were out bird hunting with those people and it was kind of just surface level? Do you have some questions that are, are kind of go-to for you to kind of initiate a deeper conversation? Or what are some questions that guys can maybe utilize to initiate those types of deeper conversations? It, it completely depends on the kind of person you're with. Mm. Because if you're with shallow people, then you've got a lot of work ahead, yeah. right? Because you, you're inviting them into something else. But, you know, with, with more shallow people, I'll just kind of ask simple things like, hey, what's bringing you joy these days? Mm. Or, or what are you dreaming about? And, and what it often reveals is that they're not dreaming at all, you yeah. know, or that they don't have joy in their life. And then I'll, and then I'll pursue that and go, man, that's, that's horrible. Why isn't there joy in your life? And, you know, you can kind of just keep digging right yeah <clears throat> but but we're, we're primarily talking about being around people who do want what we want you mm-hmm. know people who are chasing life in some way and and so what i would i would put everything under the umbrella of story hmm. what is their story you want to know their story if you're if you're going to hang out with people you're going to become friends you're going to you know <clears throat> get in the same foxhole for one another, you need to know their story. Yeah. And and you need to know it in two ways. You need to know literally their life story. Tell me your story, man. What what was it like growing up? What you know, tell me about your, your relationship with your dad and your mom and and what were you like as a kid? And you know, you want to hear their story. Yeah. And and then in the in the week to week, you know, as you're just getting together to hang out and catch up, you want to ask, so Tell me the story. How you been? What's going on? Invite story out of people because mm. story reveals so much. Yeah. Who we are, what's coming against us, how we're processing it or not processing it. Um, and and so, yeah, I just put it all under it's it's about their story and it's about your story. You want people who are interested in your story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hopefully you've got people who are asking you, Hey man, how's your story? How, what's, what is going on and how are you dealing with it? And how can we help? That's so good, man. I think that's powerful and, and huge. And I'll definitely be taking that to the bank. What are some things that you really focus on? You have two boys you mentioned, I think three prior, sons, three sons, that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. three adult sons. Yeah. What are some things as you were raising them? I just had a son two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 come on. Yeah, man. Judah, Judah, Anthony, Carlisle, my little come man. On. Yeah, I got two little girls, a four-year-old and a three-year-old, and they are just the light of my life and my little princesses. And uh, God finally blessed me with a little man. So I'm, I'm bracing for that type of parenting, which I have nephews, so I see how much different it can be. Um, and you yeah, are... Yeah, but it's your, it's your native tongue. That's, yes. It's, it's going to come a lot easier. Good, good. Because you speak that language. Yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm so stoked. Like, uh, I can't wait to get him his first little bow and like, I'll just ride him on the skateboard, take him up the mountain. We're about an hour south of Tahoe, so um, there's lots of nature and stuff out here. So I'm, I'm really stoked for it. But what are some things you're experienced? Three sons. Um, what are some things that you were really intentional, intentional about, or or knew that you needed to facilitate in them as you were raising them. Yeah. Yeah. Love to riff on that. Um, adventure. <clears throat> so you want life to be an adventure and adventure stories that you read to them or mm-hmm. that you make up or, or that you tell. 
and inviting them into adventures that are age appropriate. So when they're really little, the adventure is building the fort, you know, with blankets. Yeah. And it's awesome. And it's filled with, you know, imagination and then get a little bit older and they get a bicycle or they get a skateboard or, you know, and then and then you invite them for their first time in the woods and, you know, you're building adventure into their life. <clears throat> and part of part of the reason why you're doing this is because you, you want them to see that life with God is wonderful mm. and li- life with God is filled with goodness and with adventure. <clears throat> so I'm going to add something that's going to sound a little controversial, but I'd say in addition to that, you need to protect them from religion. Mm. You need to protect them from the religious stuff out there. Legalism? <clears throat> Legalism, the religious fog, the, the, the churchy talk mm-hmm. um, stuff that's just not real because kids kids are very intuitive. Yeah. And, and you get them into a real stuffy religious environment and they look at that and they go, ew. Yeah. Like there's no joy. There's no life. These people aren't happy. Mm-hmm. God does not look like something I'm interested in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you're doing two things. Oh, I'm, I, I, you asked what I did. I was very intentional to protect them from the creepy religious stuff. In what ways? How did you do that? How did you nurture that? Well, you got to be really careful what kind of church you take them to mm-hmm. and, and the kind of people that are leading that church. And you want them around people who have a genuine life with God, that they have stories. Again, we're back to story. They have stories to tell of a genuine experience of God on a regular basis. And the problem is most people talk about God things, but they don't actually know God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they, they would, for example, they would report that they've never heard God speak to them. And and I, it's tragic, and I'm very sorry for that, but that's not scriptural. I mean, God speaks to his people all the time. And, mm-hmm. and so you want your kids around people who have a real friendship with Jesus. Mm. And, and they're not just going through the religious motions. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple of quick examples is what did they get upset about? You know, are are they are they upset that <clears throat> you didn't memorize your verse for Sunday school? Or are they upset that someone was mean to you this week and your heart needs care? Mm. Like as a child, this isn't about performance. This isn't about the rules. Right. This is about the formation of their heart. Yeah, And to show them God cares about your heart. Your heart matters to him immensely. <clears throat> but let me circle back to boys for a second because you said, what did I do? There's two, there's two core things you have to know about, about boys. Their core questions are, do you love me and do I have what it takes? Those are the core needs mm-hmm. of every boy. And the father's journey is, is to communicate, I am, I am completely delighted with you. I think you're amazing. And you have what it takes. Mm. And and you're going to have to help them navigate that through life because the assault on a man's heart is that you don't have what it takes. And so, you know, they fail a class or they strike out at bats or, you know, they try out for the school play and they don't make it. And, you know, there's all these messages coming at them that you are not a man. Yeah. You do not you do not have what it takes. And as dad, you're in their shepherding experiences where they get to discover they do have what it takes. Mm-hmm. And you build into them a confidence and an assurance of the answer of those two questions. And that that sets them up for their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How those questions were answered. It, it, you know, when you want to go back to adult men for a minute and you're asking their story, listen for how those two questions were answered. Were mm. they loved by their dad? And do they believe they have what it takes? Because the search for validation is the primary driving search of every man's life every day of his life. Hmm. What type of, so you mentioned like failing tests and striking out at bat. What type of language do you use or did you use or do you recommend using in failure of your children failure being in quotes yep 
Yep. So interpretation is everything. The reason that most adults struggle with the things they struggle with and with unhealed memories is because there wasn't someone there to help them with interpretation. So that's what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. You and, and the thing is, the, the present parent, the mom or dad who's active and present, they're asking the questions. And it just begins with, how, how is school today? Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, you draw the stories out. Honey, you used to hang out with Danny down the street. How come you guys aren't playing together anymore? You pull the stories out. You're looking for the stories, and then you're helping them interpret them, right? And so if, if, it's a fail, if it's a fail grade on a test, the answer is, this is no big deal. Mm. This is no big deal. First off, we are more concerned about you as a person than we are about your grades, mm-hmm. okay? And, and, and then if there – obviously, there's all kinds of other parts of parenting in here. You're wondering, are, you know, are they in the right class or, or – you know, do they need a little bit of remedial help? Our son, Luke, our youngest son, it's now 25, but he really struggled with, with learning when he was a kid. And, and we realized that part of it, he just needed some prayer and part of it, he needed some help. And so we got him the after school, you know, kind of tutorial help that's available mm. because he was just that kind of kid. And so there's no shame, no shaming. Yeah. We don't shame our kids into conformity. We pursue their hearts and we kind of and, – and the other thing is really big is this is um, help them win somewhere in their life. Mm. So, you know, they may not be a great student, but they, they, may, they may love building stuff. Well, help them win there, right? Mm. Like get mm. them in a pottery class. Get you know, get them in choir, get it like, look for the things that they love and that they excel in. Mm-hmm. And this is very, very difficult for a parent because I'm the, I'm an outdoor guy. And, and my first son, Samuel, when he was young, his, his thing was computers. He loved computers and he understood them in a way that I didn't. And I hate computers. And there was one day that, that he said to us one day, and he's like he's like nine years old. He says, "I don't feel like you and mom like computers, and so I don't think you like me." Mm. And that was brutal. We were busted. Yeah, we were busted because we were communicating that mm-hmm. we were communicating the disappointment and that sort of thing, and you know, and so you you've got to find some places where you help your kids win. Yeah, and and you got You got to know them. Therefore, and you've got to be willing to go into things that maybe wasn't your thing in high school, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were you were kind of hoping, hey, I really hope that they get involved in forensics or they they're in speech class or whatever it was, you know, student governments, and they go, I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Chase their heart. What are they interested in? Mm-hmm. How did you set up boundaries with Samuel when he was when you were really wanting him to be in the outdoors and you knew that being in front of a computer wasn't necessarily the healthiest thing to do, but it was kind of his little niche? How did you did you set up boundaries X amount of hours per day or how did you yeah, cultivate yeah. both of those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And 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 you guys, I mean the world has completely changed. Like mm-hmm. kids are kids are born with a smartphone in their pocket. You it's know? ridiculous. <clears throat> it is crazy world. But we have to be realistic. This is the world they live in, mm-hmm. and it's the world their friends are navigating. And so um, absolutely the boundaries are around the amount of screen time, and rewards are built around that too. Um, you know, uh, discipline's built around that. You mm-hmm. lose screen time, you know, for not finishing homework, that kind of thing. And, and we've we just got to be realistic of, look, you know, their friends are on screens. The friends are texting. You just want to be involved in that. Mm-hmm. And what what you really want to shepherd are the reasons behind it and in explaining to them it's far more fun to be with people in person than it is to be with people online. Yes. And 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 that's we're back to the adventure thing of and and getting outdoors, I'm not doing this to punish you. Let's go have fun. Let's mm-hmm. blow stuff up or yeah. let's let's build model airplanes or, you know, find something that they can kind of groove on and that they think is a gas and and invite them into that. 
Mm. And in, in parents, here's the deal. You're going to have to pray like mad because the world that we're living in right now is toxic mm-hmm. in the levels of technology and media coming into people's lives. And so you're going to have to really pray mm-hmm. to shield your kids. So, you know, you can't just take it all away. You can't. Yeah. They'll become a freak in their school. And then you know what happens to freaks, right? Yeah. <clears throat> it's isolation and it's embarrassment and it's shame and it's all that terrible stuff. So you're going to have to monitor it. You're going to have to regulate it. And then, you know, when they got a little bit older and, and you're concerned about the sexual stuff, you know, we did things like Covenant Eyes, you know, programs that that let you know what they're looking at. Mm. Uh, and and that y- so they know that yeah. mom and dad actually have access to what they're looking at. Covenant Eyes, you said, is that a is that a program? Yeah, that's an actual program. Okay, and that does that go across their smart devices and their computers, or right? And and it gives you a, a report, <clears throat> nice. and it lets you know um, what they're looking at and what what looks like troubling stuff. And then you mm-hmm. and then again, it's not it's I'm not out to just bust you. Yeah, I want to shepherd your heart. Yes, right. And so we talk about why why that's exciting and why that's a lure and 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 God's built you in a certain way and 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 so let's invite let's invite god into this mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah man i i didn't share this with you but i'm a high school teacher um in northern california and i teach only freshmen so 14 and 15 year olds and i really feel fortunate in that i am a parent raising toddlers now because yeah. i feel like the kids right now who are between the ages of like 11 and like 21 maybe they were kind of the social experiment of what social media does to the youth yep. and i see it in my freshman man it's just like they are so attached to these things and the levels like we were talking about in the beginning, the levels of anxiety and depression and suicide and just all of these things are so, so high right now. And it's directly correlated with this phone usage and, and just being attached to this comparison, you know, tool. And, you know, I mean, in high school, you can remember, you wanted to be cool. You wanted to fit in. You wanted to hang out with people. You wanted people to like you and accept you. And now Every party, every hangout is being uh, put out there onto the social media world. So you are aware of every party. You're aware of every hangout that's going on that you weren't invited to. And it's like, this this cannot be good. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said it really <clears throat> it actually comes down to prayer and praying the love of God and the protection of God over the hearts. Again, mm-hmm. it's about the heart the hearts of your kids, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. shielding them with the love of God, shielding them with the resources of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. What? So like I said, I have a four-year-old and a three-year-old and we pray with them often. We pray before meals. We pray before bedtime. What would be, and it's, they're, they're basic prayers, but what type of prayer do you think we should be exposing them to? What type of language should we be using at this young formative age? Yep. So here's the fun thing is teach them to hear the voice of God. Mm. And little kids get this so fast because they don't have all the filters yet. They yeah. don't have the cynicism and the hurt and the resignation and all that. Right. Um, and it, it's exciting for them. So, you know, you're praying about a family weekend and, so you invite him into it. You say, let's ask Jesus if he wants us to go to the lake this weekend. You know, mm. Jesus, what do you have for us? Should we stay home or should we go to the lake? And you let them into the listening process. Yeah. Because the cool thing is when they discover that they actually have a real life relationship with Jesus and that he talks to them. And as you were saying, he talks in tons of ways. It's through what people says. It's through, you know, you're watching a movie with your kids. Use their movies, by the way, because Mm. the gospel is in all of their movies. Mm. And, you know, whether it's like Moana and the restoration of all things, Savior figure, and it's there. It's there. Yeah. And, and, And so to... 
to show them how God is speaking to them in the things that they love and in the stories they love and then teaching them listening prayer, it, it just opens up this whole thing of, oh, wow, this is normal. This is cool. God is God's a part of everything. Mm, that's so good, man. That's so good. I, I was at a men's retreat this weekend, and when you were sharing that, it made me think of one of the the concepts that was shared with us at this men's retreat up uh, in the foothills up here. And um, I thought it was just so good. And this guy, Father Tom Brinley, who's from Marin County, who is just a, a very profound and deep thinker, was sharing how God's name is specific. His qualities are specific. His provision is specific to every single circumstance and instance that we have going on in our lives, every single thing. So in this conversation yes. right now, God's name is is communication and love and wisdom and knowledge and in God or in in an instance of me going up to that men's retreat and I'm not a part of that church, but His name in that and me having the courage to go up there was courage and by grace. We are to accept that name in whatever situation it is. By grace, we are able to accept it. It's not by na our natural abilities that we are able to do these things, but by grace, we accept the name of courage. We accept the name of knowledge. And then that calls us into action, which is love and spreading these things. And I just thought like, man, that is how good God is. God just isn't good. He is so good that he is specific to every single moment in your life and is is changing himself so that the Holy Spirit can empower you. Okay, this is really big. Mm -hmm. So what you're teaching your kids <clears throat> is that there's no such thing as the sacred and the secular. God mm. is in everything. Yes. And God is interested in everything. And, and so what we were cultivating in our kids as we grew up is there's just life mm -hmm. with God. Mm -hmm. And therefore, specific things like church attendance and stuff are not separated from the rest of life. There isn't sort of like our spiritual life. This is what we do on Sunday mornings, and then there's the rest of life. What you're teaching them is that the provision of God, the love of God, the presence of God is in everything. Mm. And so we just do life with God, and and there's no like religious breakdown there. Yes. Well, you know, well, we kind of got this religious thing that my parents do, but then the rest of life is really yes. kind of where the action is. Yes. Yep. Yeah, man, that, yeah, that is so huge. And I feel like that is something that isn't being communicated extremely well by the church. One thing that kind of illustrates that, that this Father Tom guy shared is the difference between a one-story world and a two-story world. So we have been taught in regular or in, in traditional religion that it is a two-story world god is on the second story we're on the first story we look up look up to him he's kind of this police in the sky and he's only there in certain instances and kind of showing his face here and there and you kind of seek him in random circumstances or when you're struggling and that we're kind of separated but what you were describing is this one-story world where he is in everything even things yep. that are secular all the people yep. he's in he was sharing like he is he is working in the ISIS members. Jesus is in ISIS members, working in them, stirring them. They 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 may not be ultimately led to Christ, but he is in there trying to bring them to him and in their circumstances. And one thing that he said that was super powerful for me was that the valley of the shadow of death is the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yep which I thought was in, just amazing. Yep. I, lo I love that one-story, two-story world. There is no two stories. There's one world. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So good, man. So good. And yeah, the more that I've kind of delved into these things and kind of have been exposed to, um, because with that, that means that all the, the religions and the goodness and all the religions like Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism and all these things, that God is in those things as well. And there's goodness in those things. So... There's, there's practices in Buddhism, like just being able to see the divinity and things and being in the present moment and stuff that I'm trying to kind of wrap my head spiritually 
around and kind of bring into my faith and be present and be out there in the world and and cognizant of the Lord and the, the Holy Spirit and everything. It's like, this is such a game changer. It is, it is not like I've traditionally thought. It is, he's everywhere. And if I can see with what the Buddhists call the third eye, or if I can see the divinity and everything with contemplation, or see the first story building, the first story world and everything, then I'm experiencing heaven on earth. Yeah, again, back to C.S. Lewis, he, he said, Christianity does not ask you to believe that every other religion is totally wrong on every point. Mm. The reason that people are drawn to those faiths is because they are containing a grain of truth. Yes. Right? And so to get a conversation going with those people, you, you want to be able to identify with the grain of truth, whether it's justice or mercy, right, or mm-hmm. the availability of the presence of God, or you know, uh, what Christianity asks you to believe is that in Jesus of Nazareth, something absolutely unique happened in the world. Yes, and 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 as Hebrews says, he is the exact representation of the nature of God, mm-hmm. right? He he is. You know, he is Yahweh, mm-hmm. the incarnate in our midst now, right? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that there's a there's a uniqueness to the Christian revelation, but it it doesn't exclude the fact that God is wooing people all through the world in every way He possibly can yes. right now. Yeah, Amen. including through nature, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so much good stuff there, and I feel like we could go off on that tangent for a long time. You mentioned C.S. Lewis. I'm curious, who are some other big thinkers or pastors or reverends or, you know, um, popes or any anyone who who has been influential in your thinking and in your spirituality? Well, um, so Lewis's mentor was a Scottish... Um, poet, author, writer, pastor named George MacDonald. Um, and George MacDonald, they know, he didn't know him. He just, he, he he lived in the previous century, but he picked up his works and his works were profoundly shaping to him. And mm. I've enjoyed George MacDonald very much. I, I'm just looking at my bookshelves right now. There's so many, yeah. so many great people out there, obviously G.K. Chesterton mm-hmm. um, and, uh, what he brought to the world, particularly his book Orthodoxy, is is such an amazing book. And um, what about any from McDonald? Any specific books or or essays or anything from McDonald? Yeah, so he has a he has a book that you can get on the internet called Unspoken Sermons, hmm. and it's it's a series of short essays or sermons that he wrote out. Um, and it's in, it's in published form now, and it'll blow your mind. Um, I I obviously has been I've been very shaped by Dallas Willard. Yes. Um, and in his work, um, Spirit of the Disciplines, mm-hmm. uh, remarkable book, and um, and then going going further back, I think it's important that we we read further back. So Saint John of the Cross. Yes. Um, I. Also, um, obviously, Augustine, mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, and some of the for some of the early desert fathers, um, Anthony, Athanasius. Uh, you know, I kind of try and read across the centuries, mm-hmm. but but I would also say the there's been a there's been an extraordinary amount of wisdom that's come into the church through the um, disciplines of counseling. Um, therapy, psychology, yeah, uh, and and some of some of that stuff is super helpful. So, <clears throat> Larry Crabb's book Inside Out was revolutionary in in the seventies and eighties. I mean, it completely changed the way we we looked at the Christian life because he's moving it from the outside to the inside. He's talking about your internal world is really important, and then the works of Dan Allender, mm. uh, very important. Um, I would add Leanne Payne. Uh, because she has written a good, helpful things on inner healing and the healing of the soul, how how the soul is healed through union with God. Mm. 
Is that a specific book or just a, a compilation of works? She's got several. There's an out-of-print book that's amazing called The Crisis in Masculinity, mm-hmm. um, but you can still find it on used uh, okay. used book websites. And then I'm trying to think of what her main her main book is. I can't. Maybe I'll find it on my shelf here. Yeah, so I'm just going through. I'm just looking at, looking <laughs> at my library. I, I bet you have a great library. Well, it's it's very diverse because yeah. I also I love reading on nature. I love adventure stories. I you know I read a ton of of hunting stuff and mm-hmm. mountaineering stuff. So that that stuff floats my boat as well. Do you well. read fiction at all? I I actually don't. Okay. My, my wife is a huge fiction reader, mm-hmm. um, but I don't I don't read a lot of it. I, lo- I like biography. I like history. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know. Read a bunch of Teddy Roosevelt. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I want to circle back to manhood really quickly. What and this may be a very loaded question, so bear with me. But what do you think our cultures? What do you think is wrong with our cur- culture's current idea of manhood? Well, we don't like the idea of gender at all. So the current crisis is that gender is restrictive, that gender is um, critical, harsh, um, unjust, and therefore we should look at gender as a spectrum Mm. upon which people move back and forth according to you know, a whole variety of things from personal preferences to periods in their life to that sort of thing. And so as soon as you, it's the, it's the assault on gender yeah. is the core thing. Yeah. Um, because if, if you want to take the scriptures as a, as a source of wisdom and revelation and, and probably the most important book on humanity, I, I like one author said that, the scriptures are a book that know you better than you know yourself. Mm-hmm. If the, if it is the, this this ex- extraordinarily unique insight into humanity, then here's how it begins. It, he created them male and female. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. the imago dei, the image of God in us, is actually given at the level of gender. And so when you have a culture that's trying to dismantle gender and, and really just begin by saying it's not a thing— um, that is that is profoundly damaging to human beings and profoundly damaging to their search for identity. Amen. We know which circles us back to these young people and the suicides and that sort of thing because the the search for identity is one of the core searches of human existence. Mm-hmm. And if you take away gender and, and say, well, maybe you're a man inside to a little girl or to a little boy. Well, maybe you're a woman on the inside. Like that is. That's crazy making stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. that'll really throw you hard. And so I, you know, what's the problem with masculinity today? We don't like it. Mm-hmm. And the culture doesn't like it. And the culture doesn't, you know, the message is just don't be masculine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and part of the problem was, you know, our prisons are not filled with young women. Uh, our prisons are filled with young men. And, and, you know, young women do not commit most of the violent crimes. Yeah. It's young men. And so they, you understand they, they, they see broken masculinity and they go, whoa, like, we don't want that. So let's just get rid of it as a category. And, and instead of saying, no, we need to heal masculinity. We need to heal femininity. We need to heal gender. People are profoundly broken. And everyone needs restoration, and God's project is restoration. Yes. Uh, so then, so then, let me get specific. Then, so you know, what's our problem with masculinity? Well, we don't like aggression. We don't, you know, we don't want little boys to play with weapons. But what they don't understand is that the development of virtues like courage and sacrifice. You know, there was a quality that caused those fire fighters to run up the stairs of the World Trade Center when everyone else was running down. Yes. You have to form that in boys. 
and it's in there and they, they want to be brave. They want to be heroes. And you can't take that away and say, no, no, we don't, we don't want you to be heroes. We don't want you to be Spider-Man or Jedi Knights. We don't want you to play with lightsabers. We want you to be more like little girls. If you emasculate them, you will not get the kind of men that you want when they're older. Yeah. Who are true and brave and self-sacrificing. So, you know, we we don't like aggression. We don't like the masculine version of, quote, strength. We, um, we don't like the fact that men don't behave more like women. Um, but, but, you know, we need to celebrate it, for heaven's sakes. Mm-hmm. The gender differences are not occasions for injustice. The gender differences are occasions for celebration and honor. Amen, man. That that is so profound what you just said, and I love the examples of of nine eleven and whatnot. And I see that in myself, and I see that in my nephews and in my family members. And can you kind of juxtapose what you were just describing uh, as kind of the soul of a man with the soul of a woman? Well, um, there there are core needs and core questions that are very different. Um, obviously the need for love is the same, but a man's greatest fear is failure because we are made in the image of God in our strength. And so, you know, women survive experiences of like career setbacks that, that cause men to take their lives, Mm. um, because failure doesn't mean the same thing to women. You know, for men, I said that core question is, do I have what it takes? And and failure is, is this resounding answer of no, you don't. Mm-hmm. It's brutal on the masculine heart. Women don't fear failure as much as they fear abandonment. Mm. Women um, women are relationally wired, and and this isn't weakness. This is glory, by the way. God is relationally wired. He literally is a trinity. Um, and so women have relational instincts, relational intuition. And, and so when there is betrayal, for example, uh, can absolutely destroy the heart of a woman. But a guy can lose a friend or have a couple friends say, hey, we don't want to hang with you anymore. And it's not as devastating. Yeah. Uh, and so there's these different, very compatible needs, you know, men for failure, women for abandonment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that women at their core um, want to be a priority. They, they want to be cherished. Those, that little four and two year old man, when you cherish them, mm-hmm. they just light up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They light up. Mm. And, and, and men, it's not so much being cherished as it is being admired and respected. And, and so, you, again, just mm. kind of back and forth, you have, these, you have these different things. That's why guys won't stop to ask for directions, by the way. <laughs> but women will. And what's that about? Well, because for a guy, you're the idiot. You can't handle your life. And for the woman, she's like, that's not what this means at all. I just need help. You know? yeah. um, so you have, the, you have these very, very beautiful differences that need to be cultivated Yes. By the way, in in a parenting style, you need to understand that you're parenting a feminine heart or you're parenting a masculine heart. It's very, very different. Yeah, yeah. W- with all that work that you and your wife Stacy have done on gender and and those differences that you just you just touched on, how has that transferred into your marriage? How has that helped your marriage? What does that look like in your marriage? What are you more intentional about? So many things Mm -hmm. but but again if you would just move the care of the heart back into the center of things that that changes everything because when your spouse knows i am here as the number one advocate of your heart then you become each other's champions and and so it's what does your heart need honey Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Stacey has no desire to go hunting, um, absolutely none. But she understands that it fuels me. 
and and that I come back a better man because yeah. of it. You yeah. know? And so she blesses it. I understand that she needs time away with girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And so there's there I don't say no when she says, Hey, can I go to a movie tonight with some friends? Hey, we're thinking about going away for a weekend. Yeah. My answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. Because I want her to experience me as her advocate. Right. And Mm -hmm. a champion. And then also to just be able to laugh at each other's differences and say, honey, I don't get that. (laughs) I know that's important to you. I I have to just I don't understand it, but I bless it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We're not threatened. You don't have to be threatened by the differences. You can celebrate them. You can laugh at them. You can enjoy them, especially when they know, you know, your spouse knows you're their advocate. You're in their corner. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a negotiation mm-hmm. is what I want to say. I watch couples negotiate terms, right? And it, and it, it, it looks like the Paris peace talks. It's, it's like, you know, well, I need, you know, well, you went out this night, so I get to go out this night, or you spent this much money on, mm. on that new, you know, bike, so I get to spend this much, you know, and it's go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Keeping this score. Is not, this isn't score. This isn't yeah. negotiation. It's how can I how can I champion you? How can I bless you? You, you know, uh, my wife loves to go to the beach. Well, then far out. We're going to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> it's not particularly my thing. Yeah. But I can champion that. Totally. I'm bringing my bow, but we're going to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I leave it at home. <laughs> yeah. That's good, man. That is, I, I wish, I mean, I'm sure we could spend a couple hours just on that topic alone, but just what you touched on there is, is wonderful. Thank you. So in light of time, we have a couple minutes left. I just have some rapid fire questions for you. And one kind of circles sure. back to the beginning. What, what does the first hour of your day look like? Typically. I do not pick up my phone. I do not get on email. Mm. First hour of my day is for my soul and it's forgotten. Mm. So get up, let the dogs out, which by the way, let Stacy sleep. Um, she is not a morning person. I am. And so I let her sleep. I can be an advocate that way. Mm-hmm. Come out in the kitchen, make a cup of tea and go into my prayers. Mm. And I linger there. I'm, I'm not in a hurry. You know, it isn't something to get blasted through. I'm, I'm aligning my soul. I'm, I'm, I'm coming into alignment with God again. I'm praying through, you know, the work of Christ in my life and, and then the things that are before us. And, mm-hmm. and then I'll, I'll read, um, usually something from the scripture currently in the gospels. And, and then, then I make breakfast, check my phone, look at my calendar, what's coming, what's in the day. Then I get online and start pounding out the things I have to pound out, but mm-hmm. not until that other stuff comes first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to get real specific, just because I like nerding out on this stuff, do you put anything besides green tea in your green tea? Are you a honey guy? Are you a collagen guy? Are you a mushroom powder guy? <laughs> I do think reishi is very powerful. Yes. Um, I do think collagen is super helpful for you. I don't put them in my tea. Uh-huh. I'm a tea purist. Tea um, purist. Any specific brand that you lean towards? Are you matcha or traditional green tea? So I range across everything for variety's sake. Okay. I love yeah. I love matcha. Yeah. Um, I I love um, really high quality green teas. Mm-hmm. And and but all this morning it was oolong. Um, okay. Just for variety's sake. Yep. Yeah. Good. 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 What are you currently most excited about? And that could be personally or professionally. Um, I think I'm currently most excited about uh, my sons and daughters. Mm. Good. I thought, I thought that you graduated from parenting. I thought that you hit this place where you're like, I'm done, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we are parenting <laughs> more now than ever. It's the coolest thing. Our, our kids are older, and the thing is the stakes are higher. The questions are bigger. Yeah. They're having kids. And, and it's, hey, Dad, could I get some time with you? I just want to ask you some questions. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm. I will move everything for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's special. Uh, I'm not sure if you're on Twitter or not, but hypothetically, if you could tweet one thing and it was guaranteed to be seen by the entire world, what would that one tweet say? Well, I'm not on Twitter. I'm mm-hmm. not on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I don't even have an account. 
God bless um, you. <laughs> yeah, I just can't do it. Yeah, I can't, good. I can't do it. Um, but if I were to say one thing to the world, I would say, um, your heart is the center of a great war. Mm. And God desperately wants to come for your heart. Mm. Let him. <laughs> I love that, man. I love that. John, this has been absolutely wonderful, man. Just just absolutely great. So thank you yeah, so much totally for doing this. Yeah, totally enjoyed it. Where can people find you online? So uh, if you just Google John Eldridge, you'll find a place called Ransomed Heart. and Or you can put in Wild at Heart. Many people know that. Cool. Um, and we've got a podcast and we do live events and that kind of thing. So Cool. Right on. Highly encourage people to check that out. Wild at Heart changed my life. Uh, captivating changed my wife's life i recently just finished utter relief of holiness which is a book you wrote in 2013 that is a profound and amazing book and you got a ton more so highly encourage people to check that out john thanks again man thank you bless you a special thanks to king's kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast Also, a big thanks to the good people at Capital Floats, which is Northern California's premier sensory deprivation and float tank facility. I am a frequent user there, and the experience is transformative to say the least. And for listeners of this podcast, they are offering an exclusive deal of 40% off the normal price for a single float. Just go to CapitalFloats.com and use the promo code LIFEENCHANTED with no spaces at checkout. If you're in Northern California, you definitely want to take advantage of this. Please remember that I am not a doctor, so definitely consult your physician before making any sudden diet, supplement, or lifestyle changes suggested in any of these episodes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can send an email to nick, N-I-C-K, at mylifeenchanted.com, or you can find me on Instagram at mylifeenchanted. Peace.